Welcome to the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour. Driven by Sanderson Ford. Your weekend wake-up tradition. It's Rosie on the House. A beautiful Arizona Saturday morning to you. It was this week, 146 years ago, Manuel Fernandez earned his place in our history books. Because? Well, you know, you always want to be the first at everything, right? Okay. Got to be the first. Got to be the first. Got to be the first. He was the first one to get himself legally hung in the state of Arizona. Oh, Romy. In fact, we weren't even a state. We were a territory then. Boy, what a way to kick off the morning, huh? Yeah, he huh? likes those morbid... Uh... You know, it's not... Lance is the one oh. that does the, the this day in history. And I'm, okay. oh, we had a little talk this week. I'm like, find me something that doesn't have to do with somebody getting hung or shot. <laughs> uh, he killed a merchant uh, that went by the nickname Rawhide. McCarthy on December 1st in 1872, and the hanging was May 2nd, 1873. So at that time in history, from uh, crime. crime to punishment was less than six months. Pretty efficient law system for just a territory. The paper at the time, and this was in Yuma, it was called the Centennial, Arizona Centennial, wrote, Thus the majesty of law been vindicated. For the first time in the history of this territory. Hmm. Sure, it was a wicked place back then. <laughs> this was all 39 years before we even became a state. And the gallows were built across from the schoolhouse. <gasps> and the teacher dismissed the class for the day. And some sources say the entire week while they were building it. Uh, so they didn't have to witness it. Well, that's good. Yeah. You watch the movies and everybody standing there watching. I never did get that. Ooh. Yeah, me neither. Well, no public hangings today, as far as I know. But if you want to get up to the Wickenburg, they have the 18th Annual Spring Street Dance and Food Truck Festival. That's 5.30 this afternoon. A range of food trucks, live music from Old School Logic that play a variety of music from Tom Petty to Santana. That's in Wickenburg. If you like horseshoes and a little dirt road traveling, Crown King's 25th Annual Spring Horseshoe Pitch, home to Arizona's oldest saloon. Now, that's a beautiful drive. Very unique, going to Crown King. Not for the faint of heart. Not for the faint of heart. And probably not for switchbacks. Yeah, you got to have a good <laughs> four-wheel drive, too. And steep terrain. And sometimes when you pass another vehicle, you're not sure how you're both going to stay on without rolling off the side. You know, it's been a while. Never mind. <laughs> it's pretty when you get up there. <laughs> well, you learn really quick when you're going up that every switchback that you come around, there's always, that's the widest spot you can pass another one. So you always stop and look and make sure no one's coming the other way before you go up Got and it. make the next turn back. And then for writers today in Flagstaff, called Pondering the Plateau Flagstaff Writers Connection, is hosting an event at the Museum of Northern Arizona. They've got authors there that write about the Colorado Plateau and the Grand Canyon, and they'll have a book signing that's today from 2 to 4 at the Museum of Northern Arizona. While you're up in Flagstaff, after you got done with the book signing, you could go over to the Masuik South Lodge and stay there before they gets the, uh, it undergoes a $30 million renovation that will Wowza. begin at the end of the summer, and it's expected to open in the summer of 2020. So stay at the lodge before you—so you can— 
take your kids back there one day and say, I was here in the old days when it was blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. Our guest in today is uh, Director of Arizona State Parks. Thanks for coming down, Mr. Bob Broshide. And you've brought Michelle Thomas with you for, you know, there's always the guy in charge and the woman that knows everything. And we've got them both here today as it relates to the state parks. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thank you for joining us. So tell us about your journey to uh, through Arizona. You've been at a number of different places and have quite an extensive history and now uh, how you, you became head of state parks? Well, it's really not that interesting, I don't think. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I moved out to Arizona, I think, uh, geez, 1988, I believe. Just graduated high school, left the northeastern part of Ohio and, and left and came out and worked on a horse ranch. And, and uh, you know, you work and you go to school and you work and you go to school and it seems like you're never going to get to the end. Um, but finally, I graduated from Arizona State in, a, in wildlife conservation biology. And about a week or two later, I was at Game and Fish Department and uh, traveling the state and doing all kinds of great things for, for the agency and did that just about 19 years. And uh, uh, about five years, uh, uh, pro- uh, av- five years from today, um, I got the uh, the opportunity to go up and interview in Colorado, and and uh, Colorado has uh, at the time they they merged both wildlife and park into one agency. So uh, they were looking for a new director up there, and uh, so I put in and ended up getting that job, and uh, spent the last five years uh, running that agency, um, big agency, <laughs> lots of money, lots of land, and and certainly lots of state parks and and lots of wildlife uh, that that was under my responsibility and and uh you know and you take those jobs uh you're you you're at the whim of of governors and and politics and as the governor was finishing up his second term uh you know we my wife and I are both from Arizona and we wanted to come back and uh this opportunity just happened to open up and uh went through grueling interview process and uh I'm home you know I came back home and it's it's good to be back now man that's managed to make his entire living in the outdoors traveling around I, that's extremely interesting yeah well, <laughs> don't sell yourself short here there's a lot of people that would it, like to do that <laughs> it, it is i mean we're i think we have the best jobs um honestly we do you 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 start as a, as a kid or a young adult or even an older adult and you start going outside and and uh you find out you can do this for a living and and uh you know you're not going to get rich you're you're not going to you know, be, be real popular most of the time, but, uh, you know, whether it's uh, wildlife or, or in state parks, you know, I, I tell our folks all the time is that, you know, we're doing something for somebody else and, and you really don't expect a lot in return. And, you know, my favorite saying is, is, you know, we're, we, we plant trees today that we'll never sit in the shade of for tomorrow. And that's really, I think what drives a lot of our, our folks and their motivation, and that's why they get into the business. And your time at Game and Fish, did you ever know uh, Bray Addison? I did. I knew he, Bray. There was a time I wanted to be a Game and Fish officer, and he was the one that talked me out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, well, not, I'm not a classroom student. He's a smart guy. <laughs> Growing up, being a self-educator through homeschooling, yeah. sitting in a classroom, I could never learn and he told me the amount of schoolwork that that required that about ended my desire to be a game warden (laughs) yeah well it's you know you it takes a special person to be a game warden or park ranger it really does it's uh 
a lot of outdoor skills. You're out by yourself most of the time. Um, I know. It's wonderful. <laughs> it is, and, and it sounds good, but I'll tell you, it, it, it gets old after a while, especially when you start having the family at home and you're away a lot. So, uh, you know, you got to find that work-life balance like you guys do. Well, it truly is a gift, though, to the people of Arizona. It is. You know, you go to other states, and you, they don't have that open land, and you just— you know, yeah. we've been here a very long time and just used to being, hey, we're going to go up the road here and we're going to get off and ride our horses or do whatever we do outside, hike. And we just take that so for granted. So you thank do. you for your work. Well, thank you. And, and we, we keep at it. And with the you know, growing population, uh, these areas are, you know, that, that were once hidden treasures or you felt like you were kind of alone uh, aren't that way much anymore. And it's, uh, you know, something that we're trying to tackle as, as a state is, is how do we keep that access open, that reasonable access, and allow an opportunity for all uh, to go out and finding that balance. And uh, I don't think you ever reach it. It's just, uh, it's never a static place. It's something that, you know, we were to work with the federal agencies, other state agencies, and even the local. Uh, and I think that's where State Parks comes in is we try to provide that opportunity that you Maybe you can't just get out on public lands or or in some of the local or county park systems. And uh, so that's kind of how we're trying to find our place in this overall land management scheme. And that will continue to change. We are still one of the top growing states in the country. So that's not going to go away. You're, you're going to be challenged for a long time, I imagine. We are, and I think we're up for it. And I think it's, you know, it's a combination of having, you know, the right staff, having the right public support, having the revenue to be able to do those things. Uh, all of that combined, you know, it's going to allow us to, pre- I think, prepare for the future. But it's, uh, it's really, I come from, uh, you know, these agencies where I've only worked in an agency where you earn your own revenue. Uh, you don't get general tax dollars and uh and and those kind of appropriations from the legislatures you earn it and and that requires i think a special level of of connection with your customer and um and that we have to listen to them and and society's changed demands change all the time and how do we stay you know not necessarily ahead of it Uh, i don't think you can predict behaviors that well but how do you stay up with it and, and create those opportunities? And I mean, just, I, I remember when, when OHVs were just, I mean, they weren't even on the landscape at the time. That shows you how old I am. But now look, it's, it's generating billions and billions of dollars into the state and, and those opportunities, this, the machines change and all that. So, And OHV, off-road highway vehicle? Yep, off-highway the, vehicles. Your ATVs, your you know, motorcycles, dirt bikes. Yep. The side-by-sides and, and all of those. And they're, and they're a great recreation. And, uh, you know, how do we manage those folks? How do we provide those opportunities yet not leave others, uh, say hikers and bikers and bird watchers and all the whole gamut of, of customers out there that are looking for those experiences too. So, and you do that by managing 35 state parks. And after the break, we'll talk about where to go this summer. Uh, we're always looking for ways to beat the heat, and the first thing you think is the mountains, but that's not always the case. We're going to talk about some of, uh, like, Cattail Cove, uh, Hidden Treasure, and along the Colorado Strip, you'll have a number of state parks there. So it's mainly going to be around uh, getting in the water yep. theme. Here at Rosie on the House with you every Saturday morning. And if you are uh, one of those that are active boater game and fish, would like to remind you, clean and dry. Uh, to prevent moving muscles, you can actually schedule a free decontamination from your boat at both Lake Havasu and Lake Pleasant. So make sure 
uh, if you are taking your boat from one body of water to the other. You follow proper procedures to prevent any muscle spread of these creatures that are hurting our waterways. And if you want to get up to Pine Top Lakeside, the Woodland Lake Fishing Fiesta is happening today, 8 o'clock to noon. All ages welcome. No fishing license during this time. Poles and tackle will be available to borrow. The town of Pine Top Lakeside will buy the first 50 youth hunt fish combos. If you check in, you can find all those details at Game and Fish website. Cruise it through the Arizona Hour with Sanderson Ford and Rosie on the house. Our weekly Arizona State Parks giveaway. This is for passes good to any of the Arizona State Parks. You've got 35 to choose from. Text question, true? If you think this is true or false, if it's false, to 411923. Tucson is a deriv- derivative from Ahodum Chukson, meaning base of the Black Hill. It's a reference to the basalt covered hill known as Centennial Peak. I think that's true. Text true to 411923. If it's false, text false. We'll pick a random right winner at the end of this programming segment as long as you haven't won a promotional pass. Uh, from Eric, from Rosie on the house in the last 12 months, and if you're not a foster family. What's that about? Well, Mr. Bob Roshide here gave all foster families free passes to state parks. That, so they already have them. That's awesome. That's it cool. Is. What a great that's idea. That's a really good idea. It's a second year of this program, and, and Michelle can certainly fill you in more of the details, but you know, it's 10,000 foster families in Arizona, and wow. we partnered... Um, with uh, Child Safety DCS to to you know basically get in touch with these families and give them the opportunity to to have an annual pass and and take their foster family and their and their their uh, whole family out and just go out and enjoy state parks and some of, most of them I think is it's the first time this has ever happened uh, for them to get actually get outside so we're real excited about it. Michelle, you said you've gotten some really good feedback, too. Everybody's excited about it. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of feedback from the foster families just saying thank you for this opportunity. And, you know, since foster families are throughout the state and parks are throughout the state, we wanted to make sure that they had the chance to take everybody out and just spend some time outdoors. I think it's something we take for granted that we can all just do and and we've done with our families or we grew up doing. And just making sure that everyone has that opportunity just feels really good. We've got a tradition in our family. Every summer we take a week and we go camping. We have two rules, never the same place twice and never any place with any, uh, you know, no, um, what do you call it? Glamping. <laughs> <laughs> no amenities. No, no amenities. Right. So we just go and we, we kind of pick an area of the state and just go and, and start driving until we find what we like and Every year we're like, oh, okay, we got to pack for this. It takes a week to pack, two weeks to clean when we get back. We've got school, and, you know, are we going to make it happen this year? But, man, the one thing they remember and talk about more than anything are those camping trips and to to not have Mm -hmm. those memories. You know, it it just, it it wouldn't be the same. Yeah. Yeah, and these passes are good for the whole year. So they can go again and again and again and try out, hopefully, every single park. We love that. That's great that y'all are doing that for them. And you're also uh, working on another 
project with Google on your trail system. Tell us about that. Yeah, we uh, we have a really incredible GIS team. So they've been working really hard too. GIS is thank you something. <laughs> oh, now something. see now it's, 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 I know. it's mapping geospatial something. I don't. I'm not sure. But what they've been doing is they've been they started out going out to every trail in our parks and kind of getting the the elevation gains and the terrain. And then they thought, well, this is something that other people want to know. So they worked with Google. They got this camera. It's it's a 45-pound pack. It rises a few feet at least above their head. It's this huge camera with 360-degree, 15 lenses. And those guys have hiked 200 miles, and they've mapped every single trail in every single park. And now that information is going to be uploaded on Google Earth and Google Maps. So when you're planning your hike, you can take a look at exactly what you're going to see when you do that trail. So it's going to be really, really cool. And just the accomplishment of them being able to do that is just amazing. It's the way we abuse our interns. (laughs) Did you say 200 miles? I said 200 miles. But we have more than that in Those are the ones in the parks. Oh, God. Yeah, we have, they've been taking the, the, um, GIS, excuse me, mapping information from trails throughout the state. But this GI, the G- Google program was just in our parks, every trail in our parks. Is this the first of its kind in the country? No, I- no. Some other cities are doing that. Uh, Grand Canyon worked with Google. Um, I know that the city of Mesa worked with Google. And we wanted to be able to make sure that that was part of our, our information getting out to the public as well. You can visit Arizona State Parks website. That's azstateparks.com to plan your trip. You all have a great app that you can download to help plan your trip as well. Um, I've used it a number of times just looking for different things. Uh, You can select what are you trying to do. Do you want to go hiking? Do you want to go boating? Do you want to go fishing? A great, great way to break down activities and the mapping system. It would be hard to single out one favorite state park, I think, for uh, especially for the director, who you've got to support all 35. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're going to talk about ones that you can go visit uh, and make a splash this summer as the temperatures heat up here at Rosie on the House. The Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. And the answer is true. Tucson is the derivative of O'odham Chuck, C-U-K-S-O-N, Chuckson, meaning at the base of the Black Hill, referring to the basalt-covered hill. 90% of volcanic rock is basalt. Kind of give you a little history to Centennial Peak there. Tucson is featured this month as our staycation winner. We'll be staying at Hacienda del Sol at the base of the Catalina foothills. Couldn't ask for a prettier setting. It's like a little getaway right in the You've middle of town. You've stayed there. I've not. Yeah, it's been a long while. Carol was a baby, but Dad and I stayed there, and it's just a charming historic spot. It's on the National Historic Registry. So is Rito Park. Opened in 1943 and is the birthplace of quarter horse racing, as we learned last week when we interviewed Wendy Davis, who's the director of the racetrack industry program at the U of A. Can I also mention uh, Catalina uh, Park right there? Yeah, Catalina State Park. 
Yes, mm-hmm. right. And then Sabina Canyon, and they the train is back. They had they had. You're jumping ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. You're jumping ahead. Well, as long as we're talking about Tucson. <laughs> okay, I'll wait. <laughs> sorry. We brought the park up today because it is the 145th running of the Kentucky Derby. Uh, the gates open at Rideau Park at 8 o'clock this morning. Uh, festivities start around 11. There's a southern-style buffet that's available. Mint juleps and Bloody Marys, fifth annual hat contest, fourth annual necktie contest, including three categories for the bolo tie, the western and vintage tie, and then the flamboyant tie. They don't cut them off, do they? I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> Sounds like pretty fancy stuff. Children 12 uh, and under have events as well for those uh, they can compete in their own class. And then racing parties are also on May 18th for the Preakness and June 8th for the Belmont Stakes. Tis the season, huh? Tis the season. The Arizona Downs are open again, and they have free admission up in Prescott Valley. Prizes and awards for best hats, best dressed couples, red carpet photos, performances by barbershop quartets. Doors open up there at 9. The performances start at 11. Best Hat and Dress Contest is at 2. Mission is $40 for the Southern Fair Buffet and on the scenic third floor restaurant and bar. Wow. And, of course, Turf Paradise. Of the course. Big, that's the big one. Mm-hmm. Live music, barbecue tent, uh, fashion contest, free inflatable bounce houses for the kids. And tomorrow on Sunday is their closing day, so they've got free admission to the grandstands. We're going to have... a. Uh, Wendy Davis back on a couple times in between each one of these Triple Crown races to kind of give us the the industry insider's preview. If you're not into racing. Mr. Rat, I have a writ here. says you're to stop eating Chen Lee's cornmeal forthwith. Now, it's a rat writ, writ for a rat, and this is lawful service of the same. See? Doesn't pay any attention to me. You can go see the... Screening of the 50th anniversary of True Grit, the original John 50? Wayne. 50. Oh, my gosh. Does that make you feel yes. young? No. <laughs> no. How old do you feel now? <laughs> Pretty old. I was trying to explain to some girls the other day what it, those original cameras with the, the flash, the cube that turned. They, they had no idea. <laughs> Fathomevents.com. You can go there to find what... Uh, where the screenings are. I found a couple in Tucson. I found a couple in Phoenix. Didn't find any in northern Arizona, but it's fathomevents.com. If you get to see uh, old Duke on the screen one last time for the 50th anniversary of True Grit. That should be a date with your grandpa. Yeah. Take him to see it. Uh, that's, let's see, those are, there was two dates on that, now that you mention it. Uh, May 5th, so it's Sunday, mm-hmm. and May 8th are the two days that they're doing that. Oh, fun. All right, well, we're joined in the studio with Bob Brochide, the director of Arizona State Parks, and Michelle Thompson, the director of everything else. Just communications. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty important. That's pretty important. How's the Rock and Ranch? That's an area of the state that I'm fairly familiar with. It sits inside Unit 21, mm-hmm. and I've been waiting for that that one to open up. Are we going to see that one? Yeah, we're... we're uh... You know, with Rock and River and, and after the purchase, you know, that usually takes time to build infrastructure, open those parks. Uh, uh, you're not the only one waiting. I know that for sure. But I didn't say anything. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, as you as you start new parks or, or existing parks, uh, 
you know, we try to, like I mentioned earlier in the show, is, you know, we try to fit in the community. We try to find those needs. Um, we try to work with uh, users to find, make sure we're providing whatever those resources are that they want to enjoy. And, and Rock and River is a unique, unique spot for sure. Um, we've got some, uh, some partnering we're going to do on that. I know we typically what we'll do is we get a park, we create this master plan. It's really what can the public expect when they get there? And then it also tells us how much it's going to cost. Uh, and we can relay that to, to the public and the legislature. So um, we've got a lot of work to do. We've, we've got some uh, conservation groups in the area. Uh, you know, there's some water rights we've got to, to hash out. That's uh, always a big one. It's always a big one. And um, you, it takes time and mm-hmm. it takes a lot of persistence and, uh, and compromise. A lot of the uh, Native American tribes that have uh, a stake or concerns in the area. So what, I think when I, I got here in early February, and, and our folks have just said, yeah, Bob, this is kind of what we're running up against. It's not going to be just open it up and, and let everybody in. It's, we're going to have to be smart about how we how we protect a lot of those resources at the same time as we're, keep, we're opening it up. So so we are going to embark here real quick of, of kind of going back out to the community and start talking to them and making sure we're touching those, those uh, I guess, those stakeholders that uh, – uh, either really, really happy or they're really concerned. And, and we're going to try to find that middle ground. So it's, uh, it's, I'm not going to say it's a restart. I think it would be more like a refresh where we're making sure that we've got everybody with us as we go and, and that uh, uh, we're trying to touch as many of those buttons as we can. Well, let's talk about where we can go then. When you go to Arizona State Parks and you select find a park, you've got a number of options on top that kind of help you select your trip from cabins, campsites, hiking trail, biking trails, horse trails, uh, historical and archaeological. Here's the three we want to focus on for the summer, swimming, fishing, and boating. Yeah. Well, you you guys were here in the winter. Uh, we got a lot of rain, uh, almost to the point of pulling us out of the drought conditions in, in one fell swoop. And um, what that does is it, it raises the water levels in the reservoirs, obviously, um, fishing is going to be phenomenal at state parks. Um, for you fishermen, know when you get that new lake effect, um, when when water goes higher levels, new habitat, fish grow like crazy. Um, we're seeing fish coming out of places like Buckskin and Alamo. Um, that boy, it's kind of like those those quail years, right? You, this is one of those. So I I would say really any park that has water is one, you cool off, but two, the fishing and the boating, uh, reservoir levels go up. You have more space for boating. Um, you have all of those water related activities. I think that are going to be incredible. And as I got back, one of the first few few parks I've been to is up in Lake Havasu. I cannot believe the economic growth that's going on in Havasu with races and opportunities. And we have the Havasu Riviera coming online, this is really going to put uh, Havasu on the map more than it already is. And so uh, they, anything related to outdoors, boating, recreation is... And more the way they want to be than just the old place that MTV Spring yeah. Break used to be. Yes. And they're doing it very thoughtfully, very strategically, um, very expensive. But 
I was just shocked how how they really grabbed that. Like you said, getting away from the spring break, and they're really trying to appeal to the boaters and the recreationists up there, and using that as the economic engine that's going to drive that community. That's actually the destination of our staycation for next month that listeners can enter to win right now at rosieonthehouse.com slash travelaz. But let's go through. You've got five state parks on the Colorado River, starting at Lake Havasu, moving south from there. You've got the Havasu Riviera. What's the difference between those two? Um, the Havasu Riviera is, a, is, a, is going to be more focused on uh, sort of the, the marina-based concessionaire. Uh, we're working with a private concessionaire right now to develop that out. Um, boat ramps, slips, uh, restaurants, bars and breweries, those kind of things. And is that the strip that's channeled out in Lake Havasu that the London Bridge goes over? It's just uh, south of that okay. London Bridge, I believe. And uh, so it's a small piece of, of State Park um, they're going to develop a piece of it, and then we've got uh, some pieces right along the highway uh, right there. And uh, the city has been developing uh, the housing development that's going to go in the same in that area. Um, they've paved. All the utilities are already in the ground. It's just it's really phenomenal. And then you've got Cactail Cove farther south. Mm-hmm. And continuing on down the road, you've got uh, River Island State Park as well as the Buckskin Mountain State Park that was recently featured by Roger Naylor in one of his uh, articles. Mm-hmm. And that's where I see all, all these folks that are up fishing right now. Buckskin is really bringing in some big, big fish. Now, uh, if you don't want to go that far to the river or you want to fish uh, more inland, mm-hmm. you've got Alamo Lake just off to the east of that. And they've got some big fish at big Alamo. Fish. Yes. That's one of those kind of hidden gems because it's far enough. A lot of people, mm-hmm. ah, let's just go to Pleasant or let's just go to mm-hmm. Soar. A lot of people don't want to put in the drive to Alamo. You put in the drive to Alamo, it can pay off. Absolutely. And it's a big lake. Yeah, there's lots of room out there. Alamo's just one of those, like you said, it's just far enough that it, it kind of weeds out the, the day trippers. But, uh, you get to Alamo, we've got the facilities, the concessions up there that if you want to stay the night or stay the weekend or make it a three-day weekend, we've got it for you. Yeah, we have cabins and campsites, so you can hang out and catch as many fish as you want. Yep. And another big lake on the completely opposite side of the state is Lyman Lake State Park. That's mm-hmm. another, Jim, I don't think a lot of people even ha- have uh-uh. ventured to. No, and that's uh, the the water levels. I think Michelle was just recently up there uh, and got to see it. Um, but, yeah, water levels come up. Um good snowpack uh, and it's really i think some of the facilities they're not the 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 top but it's it's i think you're right it's a hidden gem that a lot of people are i think are starting to figure out and i believe the fishing was really good michelle how was yeah it? yeah the fishing was really good um they're making a lot of upgrades to the facilities it has cabins there too and we we actually got to stay on a cabin you wake up you're right on the lake you can see the sun coming up it's it's gorgeous i was it was my first trip up there, and it was I was really amazed at how gorgeous that place was. And then it was earlier in April when we were there, and it, it snowed the next day. So I got to enjoy <laughs> all seasons at Lyman Lake, and it was it, I think it's worth the trip. People think that it's far away. I think it's worth every minute of the drive that you take to get up there. It's a really, really fun place to be. We camped on the shore for three consecutive weeks. Oh gosh, probably 25 years ago, maybe even 
30 years ago and we fished the whole time and that's the only time uh that i can remember where i caught some a fish in arizona every single day i tried wow yeah and there are no no motor size restrictions for boats on that lake because it's 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 such a big lake you can have Mm -hmm. whatever you want and they said wakeboarding is becoming a really popular thing there they're having a lot of people come out and try that so we're gonna we're gonna encourage people to wakeboard Mm -hmm. up at lyman lake Wetsuit comes to mind. Yes. <laughs> Several that cold, of them. white mountain water coming in. Ooh. A couple day trips for water. You, of course, have Slide Rock. There's the Verde Valley Greenway National uh, Natural Area. I was going to say Rock and River, but that one's not quite open yet. It is on the website, but it's not open mm-hmm. yet. So make sure you do check open dates on all these. And Tonto Natural Bridge State Park. We've got a few in southern Arizona that we'll hit after this. The Rosie on the House, Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. At 9,159 feet above sea level, Mount Lemmon is the highest peak in the Santa Catalina Mountains, 11th tallest mountain in the state and was named after botanist Sarah Plummer Lemon, who tracked the mountain for her botanist studies in 1881 by both foot and by horse. And part of that Santa Catalina Mountains is Sabino Canyon that you tried to sneak in on (laughs) me earlier. The tram rides are back and there's two routes to choose from. They leave a half hour uh, but on 15 minute intervals and that runs from 9 to 4 and I understand. I have not done Sabino Canyon, but it's got an incredible reputation. Uh, Tucson.com is the home of the local newspaper for the Daily Sun, and they've been posting all week long just how red uh, Tucson is right now. We've kind of we're getting to the end of that yellow Palo Verde stage, and we're getting into the red cactus stage, and the choy and the ocotillos are in full bloom. And a beautiful time to get out and go through uh, Sabino Canyon. You've also got the Catalina State Park right there and the Santa Catalinas as well. But you've also got four state parks we still need to get to in southern Arizona that are water-related. We'll start over on the northeast side of the mountains first where you've got Roper State Park as well as Dankworth Pond. Yeah, Roper Lake and Dankworth Pond, um, they're adjoined. So it's, it's two parks you can visit that are kind of connected, but cabins, camping, water, swimming, fishing, thats a those are both really, really nice parks to head to for the summer. And both areas of the state that are less traveled. So yes. if you like the, the lower crowds like we do and uh, not, a, not a waiting in lines or being camped on top of each other, that's a great destination. As well as Sonoida and Patagonia. Now, the only reason I don't like talking about those is because I do like uh, – you know, the, the road less traveled. And I, I don't like leaking out that those places exist because they're incredible. <laughs> they are hidden gems in southern Arizona for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. Patagonia is, if you haven't been there, you need to go. That's absolutely that's the best best lake down there. It's cabins are new and you can, you can, again, you can stay in a cabin. You wake up, you're looking over the lake. You can see the sunrise. They're, they're a great amenity that we added there to the park, but just just go to Patagonia. Just go down there. And we've 
that was 15 that we've covered that were water-related, but there's a total of 35 state parks. You've got Karshner Caverns. That'd be a great way to get out of the sun. Yeah. Yeah, you go underground. <laughs> you beat the heat going to the cave. Yeah. But uh, Karchner has really great hiking trails, and they have cabins yeah. and campgrounds, too. I think a lot of people don't realize what all there is to do above ground at Karchner Caverns. So, yeah, that's a that's another really good trip. And I just, I have to say, you forgot Dead Horse Ranch for water and Full Hollow Lake. Now, can you swim at Dead Horse? I didn't think you could jump in the water. You can't jump in the water, but you can kayak, you can canoe, you can go fishing. They've got uh, good fish stocked in the lagoons right now, and the fishing's really good, and the Verde River's uh, right there um, through the, the Verde River Greenway area. And, yeah, it's a it's a really nice place to go and cool off with all those cottonwood trees. You have a lot of shade. They have cabins and campgrounds as well. Yeah, the mini cabins are really cool. Yeah, mini cabins. Yeah. And, you know, the best part about Dead Horse is you can get away. It's, it's not too far away. You can just take a day trip. Or you can camp there, and then you can go to Red Rock and Jerome and Fort Verde and Tonto and just kind of make that your home base and then go and visit those other parks that don't have campgrounds. Tuzi Goot is there, and then Cottonwood downtown uh, has really done an incredible job bringing up their revitalizing their old downtown to be like the the wine center of central Arizona. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, like you said, it's not far, but Dead Horse State Park does do a great job of once you get there, you do feel like you're out in the middle of yeah. nowhere. It kind of sits down and mm-hmm. the hills around it kind of blocks all, any, uh, what do you call it, night pollution, sky pollution from Phoenix or Flag. You don't mm-hmm. see any other in town lights. It's a, it's a state park that my Boy Scout troop did two Eagle Scout projects. And so we spent a lot of time at state parks over the, at uh, Dead Horse State Park over the years. And I can't believe how much that's changed uh, from what it was 30 years ago to today. I go back and I don't even recognize it sometimes. Like <laughs> the, the amount of water that's increased and the ponds and uh, the activities to do. That's a, you can find all of these at ArizonaStateParks.com. And you'd mentioned, what was the other one? Full Hollow. Full Hollow. That's one that you can go to. I mean, it's, you're in the town of Sholo. Mm-hmm. So that's one you, you don't have to have any major preparation or packing for other than maybe your fishing tackle because Sholo's got anything you would need right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, AZStateParks.com, too. A lot of events coming up. We even have some really good events happening today. So just right on the homepage, we have a bunch of events on the right hand side, and you can click there and then see what else we have coming up. So uh, I know Catalina State Park and uh, Boyce Thompson, they've got some really good events happening today. But Lyman Lake is also launching their summer hiking series. And looking at that picture, I forgot about all the hieroglyphics that are at Lyman yeah. Lake. Yep. Right. Great place to go see some ancient carvings in stone that date back 300, 400, 500 years. I guess I'd have to take a guided hike to go and know, right? Yeah. Yep. Every Saturday. <laughs> all right. State Parks Director uh, Bob Roshide and Michelle Thomas, the Director of Communications. Thompson. Thompson. Sorry. <laughs> he nailed my last name perfectly. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this Saturday.